the first thing we did was we really, and this is the hardest thing to do, especially at this stage, we knew that there was potential of adoption. We knew that there was potential of our family growing. We had had several previous foster children at this point and really hadn't said, yes, we want to adopt. We weren't really pursuing it. But it was one of those situations where it I didn't know whether it was going to happen, even though it seemed inevitable. And so we literally had to lean into our faith at this point and go, God, if you want us to raise this child, this is up to you. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. Today, I'm excited to bring back to this podcast my neighbor and friend, Trish Zinzak. Trish is a foster child, foster mom, and adoptive mom. Now, I typically, when I bring guests on this show, I ask them or refer to them as my neighbor from wherever they live. She doesn't have a permanent residence because she lives the RV lifestyle. So, Trish, it is great to have you back on the show. You were originally on this podcast on episode 89, and I would encourage everyone to listen to that episode because that's where you shared your story. And it was a story that I found very compelling, and I'm sure my listeners have too. But uh, it's good to have you here on the podcast today. I'd like to know where you're recording this from. I am sitting in a campground outside of Lenore, North Carolina. You were in my neck of the woods earlier this year, and now you've been, I guess, up the East Coast. Now you're going down the into North Carolina. So it's a, quite an exciting uh, lifestyle, it sounds like to me. Yes, it's been quite a lifestyle. We're actually getting into normal now, trying to figure out how to make this a little more long term. Mm-hmm. And um, it's working. And, you know, I really feel like God's got a plan. and He's going to carry us through. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of it. It's very exciting. It is what I call living the different life, but it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's not what everybody thinks. We're not constantly on vacation. We do work. We do sit still for several weeks at a time. And then on our free time, we get to explore. So, yeah, it gets to be kind of exciting. And it also gets to be very normal. Now, you are you travel with your husband mm-hmm. and then your adopted son who you adopted through fostering. I know you have extended family uh, through your fostering over the years. That's one of the reasons we wanted to have a conversation today is because there are other families who, or other couples, I should say, who 
are desiring to adopt and they want to adopt through the foster system. And you're well acquainted with that in your own life. One in particular, one couple reached out to me and said they were just beginning this process. They're hoping again to foster a child with the anticipation that that would lead at some point to adoption. And one of the things that they were wanting to know is they needed some kind of guidance as this process begins so that they could manage the expectations. I thought you would be a perfect person to discuss this since you have lived it as a foster child and you have lived it as a foster mom who has adopted. So this is right in your wheelhouse to talk about. As we begin this uh, conversation, when you started your journey of fostering, what were some of your initial expectations as you approached this? The way it kind of worked with us was we were having some fertility issues and trying to get pregnant, thinking we were going to have a family. And then I just knowing being a foster mom myself, and I was a teacher at the time, I just wanted to, in the meantime, get back in a way, um, almost at the time, I think it was more like, let's practice and see what parenting is like, mm-hmm. um, and be able to give back at the same time, thinking that if one day, if a child came and it turned into adoption, then it, you know, that would be a great plan, but I'm not sure that we had the goal of it. So that would be probably the first expectation if you're fostering in general to think about is, When we go into fostering, and they had to caution me this a lot, is that the goal of foster care is reunification. And many times, unfortunately, we get into the situation and the parents on the other end, the natural born parents, are making poor choices. They're unable to manage their own systems or they're unable to make healthier choices. And for whatever reason and things that they're choosing, it makes for a, a poor home life. And as a foster mom, the second expectation is understanding that I have this child forever and it's mine. Um, When we go into fostering, that reunification process is something that the system, although it might be broken, is trying to do its best to reunify and help that family rehabilitate in a way that allows for that child to return to somewhat of a healthy, natural family. If it goes in a different direction, sometimes they know these things up front. Sometimes the rights have been terminated or they know it's heading towards that way. But not having that expectation up front of this is a child I want to adopt, because many times at any given moment, the courts can say the family need they need to move. A a family member pops up. Um, Things happen in this in the case that was completely unexpected by anybody. Or many times the system, whoever the system is, They might be handling things behind the scenes that we may not be aware of, and they're not always honestly sharing them with us. Maybe they think it's not our place, even though as foster mom, we want to know everything going on with our child because we're in this parental mode, in this parental um, role, but we don't always have all the dots. And sometimes I've even heard of situations where people are finally adopted and then they find out some awfully horrifying fact about the child that they didn't know that might've changed the adoption and they withheld it. So those kinds of things sometimes happen, but many times it's a beautiful situation. Sometimes you can um, find out more about the bio family and things like that. And then you can have that information going into leading up to adoption. But many times 
the expectation of going into it as adoption, it can be disheartening if that's the goal. And so a lot of times social workers would say to me, you, if you're fostering, you're fostering. Sometimes they do foster to adopt and will, will place a child with someone that they know the rights have been terminated or they know that the, the plan right now is that this child will be up for adoption. So they try to put them with someone who's a little more stable and that might be a long-term placement for them. But just know that even the hard part with fostering is that any given time an intersection can come where a decision has to be made that's out of our control and a family member pops up and they will do their best to get them with blood and get them with family. We as foster parents do not have the ability to choose that family member, whether they think that that's right. That's the system that gets to to make those decisions. So then I know in your case, your son who you've adopted, uh, his birth mother, I believe, was really sick and dying. And that's how he came to be in your home. And eventually then you were able to adopt. So I guess then as a parent, or I should say a couple is approaching this process, can they make it known from the beginning that they are fostering to adopt or I guess, or just fostering? It really depends on the state and Mm -hmm. the organization that you're the, the organization that you're fostering through and who's licensing you. Yes, you definitely want to make sure that you share that information up front. And there are programs that are called Foster to Adopt. And again, like I said, usually it's harder to be Foster to Adopt if you're expecting to get an infant. Sometimes those infants will come unexpectedly if a child is born addicted and then the parent has already lost a bunch of children to the system and all of their other children have been given up for adoption and that happens. And that happens, unfortunately, more times than not. And those types of children are into the foster to adopt program. But again, just like in any of these situations, like I have a friend who's adopted two or three and then from the same mother and the same thing has happened. Then when the mother gets pregnant, they sometimes will come to her. And the next thing you know, at what point does she draw the line? But there are situations like that. And there are agencies within each state or within each jurisdiction that do have those programs, but there have been times I've been told that they don't necessarily exist. The other thing to think about from foster to adopt is if your heart and God is leading you to adopt an older child, which we can talk about expectations on Mm -hmm. uh, things that come with older children versus younger children and both in a minute, but the expectation of having an older child come into your home and the expectations of what you would be encountering with an, an infant are still both grand and still both need to be um, handled in a very wise way. But know that sometimes those foster to adopt programs look a little different and you would want to make sure that you're very open and listening to what God's calling you to do because it's it's a completely different mindset going into which path you're choosing when it's foster to adopt, whether it's okay. an older child or a younger child. Okay. If you are in intending to foster with the goal of adopting, from your experience, can we know typically what that time frame is, or is it just is this varies from case to case? It really varies from case to case. Um, if a child comes in and their term their rights are terminated, or you get a child at the time the term rights are terminated, it might just be a 
a process of formality in the system and how mm -hmm. they go through, you know, whatever. But there are always times when they have to search for bio family. They have to make sure there's certain things that they've done to make sure that the mother has been given every opportunity that father has out there that has been given every opportunity and been contacted. And there's just so many due diligence searches and things that they need to take care of. So every situation's different. Um, if a child's rights have not been parents' rights have not been terminated, um, that process could be a long drawn out process. Um, and it could be, and again, during that time that you're waiting, if their rights have not been terminated, anything can happen. It is hard on the heart, but you have to let God heal and take care of that because that child could be removed and go to live with a biological family member at any given time. A sibling situation may come up where other siblings are there and that other family spoke up and you didn't know that they were involved. A million different things could be playing into their story. And the foster system, they're doing the best they can to try to find these details. But so many people are working on each case. You know, you've got attorneys and you've got um, guardian ad litems and you've got, you know, representation for the family sometimes and you've got representation for the child and there's just so many voices going into each pie that that process could take in any amount of time and you just have to kind of set yourself up for yes my goal is for adoption yes I want this done and yes I want to get my family underway and yes I want this to be a forever thing right now but sometimes it's especially in the foster process there's a lot of waiting that has to happen a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainties that just have to go with grace i guess like the question that i'm thinking of now for those couples who are wanting to pursue this path how do they begin to i guess curb their anticipation and still support the child the best way they can i mean this this is a delicate balance if i'm hearing everything that this could possibly go through on this process happens. I mean, it could take a lot of time and there at a moment's notice, it could be over. How does a, a couple, how do they process this? And do you have some ideas that you could share that might help them to prepare themselves for different kinds of eventualities? Yeah, I can probably best share this with two of our stories. Um, one is the son that we ended up adopting. He was one of six and it happened that we were what, what they call non-relative caregiver. And um, the family, the mother got very sick and ended up passing away. And we got him at the age of three months, but we were sharing. It was like we were fostering and he got visits back and forth with the family. And we didn't know at the time when we, when we stepped up to help the family that we would be adopting him. But as mm -hmm. the mom's in, um, situation became more evident, we realized that this might be a possibility. But there were five others that the grandmother was taking care of. And so we never knew whether the grandmother was going to, you know, want to take the, the sixth boy. You know, she had her hands full and all kinds of dynamics of the situation. But it was not until he was about two and a half, a little over two months, that or I mean, a little over two years old that the adoption finally became final. So here are some of the things that we had to deal with. We had to think about, you know, we didn't know what the courts were going to do with the mom and her health situation, the grandmother that wanted them. Then there was the biological, the father side of the family. Um, the father was pretty much more absent. He was there, but not, you know, he was um, very definitely not present, really didn't want to give his children up for adoption 
wanted to do it, but wasn't living the life of making good choices for his kids knew that. So there was, you know, they had to reach out and find him and they had to get permission and he had to sign his rights away. And it was very, and actually I was in the room the day that he signed his rights away. And it was very heart wrenching to watch because, you know, even though these people aren't making great choices, we know in their hearts that their intentions, everybody wants to do good, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. wants to do the best that they can do for their kids. And it was hard for him to give up those rights. And we even offered, that's another whole story for another day. We even offered the opportunity for, you know, some sort of understanding of what was going on in his life and touching. But we had to be aware that there was a lot going on. So the way we, the first thing we did was we really, and this is the hardest thing to do, especially at this stage, we knew that there was potential of adoption. We knew that there was potential of our family growing. We had had several previous foster children at this point and really hadn't said, yes, we want to adopt. We weren't really pursuing it. But it was one of those situations where it I didn't know whether it was going to happen, even though it seemed inevitable. And so we literally had to lean into our faith at this point and go, God, if you want us to raise this child, this is up to you. And I say that as if it, I, I don't want anybody to take that as a flippant story, but that is something that has to come from the core of the being of like, Lord, I know that you can rip this child right out of my hands. And I know he may not be my child. But whatever you want to happen, however you want it to be, if if you want me to raise him, this has to be something that you make happen. The story behind this and the God story behind it is just, it's amazing and how it all worked out. But that was the first thing that I would say to do for each family is to really prepare yourself and surrender. If God wants you to raise a child, and notably this child, ask God if this is what he wants you to do. Not make it happen for me. Now he says, he'll give us the desires of our heart. And I wanted it badly, but I didn't know if that's what God wanted for this child. He knows where this boy is going to be in years. And thankfully I've been able to look back later and go, you wanted me to raise him. You better equip me. (laughs) I don't have what it takes right now to raise him, but you told me you wanted me to raise him. So you've got to equip me. So that would be, you know, those are the, some of the expectations in the beginning of like just being prepared and surrendering and then allowing God to do the work without getting in there in my humanness and trying to change the details. That, that makes sense. And then from my own personal story, uh, we adopted two boys, as you know, both of them were adopted as, as infants. Now with the first one, uh, we actually made a connection with the birth mother early on in her pregnancy and while we weren't, while he was not obviously born yet, in a sense, we were fostering because we were doing things to to help facilitate her pregnancy. My wife would take her to appointments, that type of thing. At one point, and I'm going to get into all the details as to why this happened, but there was a point during the pregnancy where it fell through. And mm-hmm. our lawyer told us, you better look for another birth mother. And for a period of a few weeks, there was no contact. And we thought we were back to square one in our search for a birth mother. And then one day I got a call from the lawyer and he said, it's back on. Mm -hmm. And I remember turning to my boss at the time and I said, well, today I just became a dad because I didn't know that I was going to be a dad one day as far as bringing him home. 
-hmm. But I knew at least for the period, the rest of her pregnancy, I was going to do what I could to make him the healthiest he could be and make her the healthiest she could be. Mm -hmm. And then it was up to God to whether she signed the papers. Mm -hmm. We didn't know. I mean, going into going to the hospital, we we were pretty confident she was going to sign, but we weren't 100 percent sure. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until she signed the next morning that I even told my mother, I said, now you can tell people because now we have some, you know, an official document. That was nerve wracking. But then, like you said, we had to surrender. Mm-hmm. It was a total surrender on our part. And then looking back on his adoption and his brother's adoption and looking at all the different things that, that transpired with his, his brother, the younger one, we were, we didn't go through the same process. We, we chose not to, to seek out a birth mother and go through that process. It was just nerve wracking, a, a roller mm-hmm. coaster. We chose to let the lawyer let us know when a child was available, but we were 20 something on the list. And Mm. for a number of reasons, we got moved to number one and the person in his office was calling people and saying, okay, calling couples say, are you, is this, this child's available? Are you interested? My wife had 10 seconds to say yes or no. It was an obvious. Mm. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're good. But looking back on both boys, we realized there was something beyond our ability to navigate mm-hmm. or determine. It had to be God. These boys mm-hmm. are in our home for in our family for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you brought that up because it brought back these memories for me and these feelings. And I'm, I know how it felt to not know. Mm-hmm. And I know how it felt to finally just surrender and give it to God and say, whatever you will in this situation, I'm okay with. Not that it's going to be necessarily easy to accept, but I'm okay with it. And that's that's what you're saying here, this surrender and, and just give it. And that's how it worked out for you. And that's mm-hmm. how it worked out for us. And I, it's my prayer that this couple that... Uh, ask this question. I know they aren't the only ones who are thinking this, that this can help them to uh, establish this mindset to surrender. That's true. And I would love it if you don't mind, if I share another story, kind of an opposite result. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, We had a foster daughter who the long end of the story is today. She's still in our life and it's a beautiful thing. She was with us when she was four months old until about 15 months old. We fell in love with her. And at that time, again, we were fostering with no expectations, but we didn't know what the situation with the mom was going to be. So, of course, we had fallen head over heels in love with her, extremely attached. To this day, the idea of when it happened when she returned home still chokes me up of, I had to take her a sleeping baby out of the bed that she knew for the last 15 months and was so loved in and put her in a strange bed. And she was in, here I go, I'm choking up on, she had to wake up in a strange place that she had not spent the night in, that they had not, you know, done anything with her. So I felt compelled to say to the mom, I would love to stay in her life. I would love to be allowed to visit with her. Well, 
graciously over the years, the mother had shared her with us. And for reasons, she had come back and forth. And in her teenage years, we ended up getting guardianship of her. It's a whole long story. But throughout her life, there were times when the mother was going through some really um, crazy things and it seemed unstable for the mom and it didn't seem like there were times that it would be super healthy. And many people said to us, why don't you just adopt her? Why don't you just adopt her? Why don't you just try to do this? Why don't you know? And I wanted I want to encourage any foster mom in a situation like this that's thinking about that very thing of like, why don't you justice or why can't we adopt this kid? Because she was the she was is the love of our life. In fact, we're so in in touch with her now. She has three families. You know, her she's actually a uh, she's given us a grandchild, too. And so she's got um, her birth family, us, and she's now got um, a significant other family. Mm-hmm. And so she is enmeshed in our lives. But had we adopted her or pushed for adoption? A couple things could have happened. We would have killed the relationship with her mother. We would have torn her away from her family. Now, it wasn't always the healthiest situation over there. I had my eyes on it. I was, that's why she ended up with us a couple times. There were things that weren't so healthy and we had to get involved and we had to, you know, to do some things. But I feel that in my heart that sometimes we as foster parents who have that capacity to love unconditionally to someone who is not ours sometimes we're not meant to parent in the traditional way we're not meant to adopt maybe we're meant and in this situation I was able to really just mentor not only my little girl that I call my little girl but somebody else's little girl and I was able to mentor and help that mother grow into a healthier being and it's not been easy it's mm-hmm. been complicated. There's emotions that fly back and forth. There's been history and it's been drama filled at times. And I'm sure that mother, you know, there's some resentment on her part, but yet she still calls me Mama Trish. And that little girl who is now, a t- you know, a grown woman calls me mommy and calls her mom, mom. And it's been a beautiful story along the way. It's been a beautiful story of gifts. It's been a beautiful story of sharing God's love. It's been a beautiful story of, of helping them when they needed help. It's been a beautiful story of when that mother didn't have anybody else that I was able to be there. And then there were times when I had, this was the difficult thing. I had to turn off that mothering sense because when that little girl went home to her birth family and she didn't call me, all that stuff for me and my foster adoptive in rejection and all that would come up and I had to navigate my feelings and things. But ultimately I had to put my expectations down of, I want that child of, I want that child to call me mom and only me. I had to realize that God was calling me to serve in a different way. Sometimes that service doesn't look like we think it ought to look. So if I'd have gone back and really tried to put my humanness in there, why don't you just adopt her? I probably could have talked that mother into letting me adopt her and gotten my human in there, but that's not what God was calling me to do. God called me to serve that little girl and that family in ways that I would have never dreamed of serving them. And so I want to really encourage any foster family that sometimes our traditional family doesn't look like what we in our human minds think it looks. God has a different plan. I can hear the emotion in your voice when you, you talked about taking her out of her crib and it's heart wrenching. It's to this day, it's still, you know, but we survived it. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing that, that I'm hearing as you, you talked about that 
is it's a there's a different dynamic that foster parents might need to entertain the possibility that maybe you don't have that traditional family maybe there's some other way that god is intending for this child to be mentored and you know what i view and i know you do too children are a gift they aren't a guarantee from god they're a gift And we only have them for so long anyway. What we can do with the time we've been blessed to have them can help to mold them for the rest of their lives. And it sounds like with this young lady that you've been able to do that. But it took sacrifice on your part, sacrifice of your your wants and desires and to have a servant's heart. And I think that's really a beautiful a tribute to have that servant's servant's heart and be selfless to the point where her best interests trump your best interests. Mm-hmm. Her desire, what's best for her, trumps your desires to be a mother. So, I really mm-hmm. applaud applaud that. That's mm-hmm. that's a good way for uh, foster parents. A good expectation for foster parents. Maybe there's there's another path that you haven't considered. So thank you for sharing that story as well. You're welcome. And I do want to add that, you know, just because I share it in that way, this is hindsight. And these are my lessons in hindsight. It doesn't mean that it did not come with a lot of selfishness along the way and a lot of selfish desires and a lot of why not me and why can't I. So I just want to encourage anybody who is in that. It's okay to feel like that. But ultimately, it's about surrendering back to what God's original calling is on our life. Mm-hmm. As we wrap this episode up, because I'm seeing that we need to look at this topic from other angles in future episodes. But as we wrap this one up, I'd like to end each episode with a daily doable. What can you give as a first action step that would help help couples who are Wanting to foster with the anticipation of adopting, what would be a good first step that they could begin to take that would help them to manage their expectations? That's a very good question and something we haven't really even addressed. Besides the prayer, surrender, journaling, and finding and, you know, getting in touch with your calling. That's a, that's an always a given underlying Mm -hmm. everything. But I think one of the best things that we can do as foster parents, especially for those of us who've grown up in um, whether we've had a stable home or not so stable home, our expectations of what life looks like is always going to be different once we get the biological child in our home or adoptive child in our home. So sometimes we have a biological idea and they don't always turn out the way we think they're going to turn out. And we wonder where this personality came from. And then when we add an adoptive child to that personality, to that as well, they also come with things and to educate for foster parents to educate begin to educate themselves. And there's lots of them. We, I can, we can put some show notes and links for some resources where you can mm-hmm. go to start. But one of my favorites is The Connected Child by Dr. Karen Purvis. It was eye-opening for me. I came into that book way after my process. And then Dr. or I think he's a doctor, Dan Siegel talks a lot about um, the neurobiology and the brain and how we're wired naturally. And then um, there's another one, uh, Karen Forbes, I think her name is, Help for Billy. And she does a great job of, you know, talking about a nurtured child for, uh, from utero 
all the in a nur- upbringing of, that's nurtured versus a child that just naturally comes from adoption that just has that disruption mm-hmm. right at the beginning and what it does to the soul. It's a primal wound, which is another name of another book. And it does rock the soul. And there's sometimes there's nothing we can do in our humanness that fills that God-shaped hole. And those resources will help prepare us and educate us as foster and adoptive parents to better be able to hold the space for our children, be able to calm their nervous system when they're triggered for things we don't understand. And um, when they have these crazy behaviors that just don't make sense to us. And then it also forces us, the second thing kind of on that hinge, do your own work. So for me, for example, I grew up with foster and adoptive rejection, abandonment, loss, tons of that stuff in my childhood. And most of us, we know from the ACEs study, most of us have some sort of history or something we've been dealing with because we're all human. We're products of human, you know, human beings. We get hurt and dinged along the way and we have stuff. Do the work to solve and and take care of the stuff in our own world because our stuff will clash with their stuff. And they will have stuff. Mm-hmm. And if we can get ourselves ready and start to think, okay, how am I better preparing myself? How am I better understanding the types of things that they could present with? How can I better level that playing field to be prepared going in? Having those resources in place will be the best scaffolding that you can put in place to be prepared for what's to come because you have to have that support network around you and those resources around you to even know what you're doing well, those are great ideas and we'll put links to those resources in the show notes because you know it's it's one thing we i know you want to and i want to we want to encourage fostering we want to encourage adoption yes, we, we, don't, do. we, we don't want to discourage it but i i want it's my desire and i know it's your desire for people to go into this with their eyes wide open mm-hmm. and you have shed light on a certain idea that I really hadn't considered with this whole idea of mentoring as as opposed to mothering. And I go, wow, that's, Mm. that's a really interesting way to approach this. And you have been very successful with it. So Trish, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your uh, honesty and your vulnerability to, to share these things. And I know it's going to help other uh, foster potential foster parents and foster parents and adoption adoptive parents. So thank you so much for being on the show today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. For those couples who desire to foster with the intention of adopting, the best way I can think of to summarize this episode is prepare and surrender. In order to manage your expectations, if you will prepare as much as you can and then willingly surrender to God, That is a healthy way to navigate this path of foster parenting. If you know of someone this episode would bless, maybe you know of a couple who desires to foster with the hope of adopting, please share this episode with them. If there's one thing I want to leave you with as we wrap up today, it is this. You are not alone in this journey. There have been countless other people, just like Trish, who have fostered and adopted. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. 
Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.